2: Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's You Know What. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future.
3: For home heating you can depend on. See sertaireland.ie Jared Murray decided that he wanted to kill someone. That's it. He hadn't been in a fight with anyone. Nobody had stolen his girlfriend, and he wasn't trying to steal their money. He simply decided that he wanted to take someone's life. So he did. This is Monsters. Jared Murray was born on July 20, 1994, and grew up in Asher, Oklahoma. This small town covers about three-quarters of a square mile, or about two square kilometers, and had a population of about 400 people in 2010. Jared was considered to be the weird kid, according to his classmates. He would often wear a black suit to school because he said he, quote, liked the weight of it, end quote. Teachers said that Jared was extremely intelligent but he didn't want to do his schoolwork so he ended up failing out of his classes. He ended up withdrawing from school and getting his GED. School officials said that Jared didn't have any record of violence at school and hadn't gotten into trouble for anything. Police in the Asher area also said that they had never had a problem with Jared. It was a small town so they had seen him around but he had never gotten into trouble. Once he obtained his GED, Jared began attending East Central University in Ada, Oklahoma, about 30 minutes southeast of Asher. He told the undersheriff who interviewed him that he wanted to become a chemist for the Department of Defense. While at college, Jared's strange behavior began showing itself. In October of 2012, While playing video games with some friends in the dorm room across the hall, Jared started boasting about his martial arts skills and claimed that he would rather die than tap out if he was in a fight. The resident of the room, Wyatt Freeman, called his bluff and offered to put Jared in a chokehold to see if he'd really refuse to tap out. Jared allowed Wyatt to put him in the chokehold, which caused Jared to pass out. When he awoke... Wyatt claimed that Jared was faking it, and the two got into a fight. Jared punched Wyatt, and when he was told to leave, he spit on Wyatt and retreated to his room across the hall. A resident advisor arrived to the area to try to put the situation to rest, but Jared attacked Wyatt again. This is when the police were called. This one police report is the only criminal record that Jared had. He wasn't punished for the assault, though Wyatt did file a complaint with the school asking that Jared be relocated, but the school didn't think that the incident was serious enough to warrant the move. They said that this was not unusual behavior between guys in a college dorm. Though there were no other incidents between the two, Wyatt said he felt uneasy about Jared from that point on. He said in one interview that he thought Jared might try to blow him up. Jared didn't blow anybody up, but he did decide that he wanted to know what it was like to kill someone. Fortunately for Wyatt, Jared's criteria for a target wasn't based on people he had had previous disagreements with. He wanted someone who didn't have a large social circle. Someone who he felt wouldn't be missed as much. He settled on an 18-year-old fellow student who lived in the same dorm building named Gennaro Sanchez.
1: How do you know him? Uh... Towards the beginning of the year, we met in a mutual friend's room, uh, playing video games, sir. Okay. And do you take any classes with him, or no, sir? Okay. So you know him through a mutual friend, and you guys dorm in the same dorm. Yes, sir. Different,
0: different sections. Yes, sir. But it's literally right down the hall. Okay. And so do you spend quite a bit of time together? Uh, no, sir. No, sir.
3: Coincidentally, Jared had met Janero while playing video games in Wyatt's room. Gennaro was present at the time of the fight between Jared and Wyatt, but wasn't involved in the altercation. Jared admitted to not really knowing Gennaro very well. All he knew was that he wasn't a very social person. At least he wasn't while at college. It turned out that Gennaro Sanchez had plenty of friends and family who loved him. He was born on August 7, 1994 in McAllister, Oklahoma, to Marco Sanchez and Gina West. He grew up in Stewart, Oklahoma and graduated from Stewart High School. He started attending ECU, planning to get a degree in civil engineering. Gennaro was a popular student at high school because he had an outgoing personality. The only reason he had a smaller social circle at college seemed to be because he was new. On the night of December 5, 2012, Jared went to Gennaro's dorm room and asked him for a ride. Jared didn't have a car, so the request would not have seemed unusual.
1: Almost 6 o'clock in the morning, so can you go back and tell me when you guys got together? Uh, this would
3: have been. Maybe around. <clears throat> maybe around 9
1: o'clock yesterday evening. So on the 5th? Yes. Uh, uh, maybe it was closer to 10. Okay, 9 to 10. How did you guys hook up? I went down to his dorm room and asked if I could be given a ride to Walmart in exchange for $20 gas money. Okay. And did he agree to that? Yes, sir.
0: Okay. And did he, in fact, take you to Walmart? Yes, sir. We got in his pickup truck and he drove me to Walmart. And so you're talking about the Walmart later. Yes, sir. Okay. And that's a couple miles from the school? Uh, 2.2. Uh, no, 1.7 miles, sir. 1.7 miles. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, now, so he took you to Walmart? Yes, sir. And did you both go in? No, we did not go in, sir. Okay, why not? We pulled into the parking lot, then I pulled the uh, weapon on him
1: and demanded that he take me to Asher, Oklahoma, sir. Okay, and why did all of a sudden did you decide that you need to go to Asher? Because
0: I was planning to take him out into the country and kill him.
3: People ask why Gennaro would have agreed to give Jared a ride after he had seen the altercation between him and Wyatt. Gennaro's mother explained that it was because he always saw the good in people and saw the request as an extended olive branch. He thought this would be a good way to break the ice and become friends. What Gennaro didn't know was that Jared had no interest in going to Walmart. When you got
1: him at the dorm, was your intention never go to Walmart? Yes, sir. You was, in fact, was you at that point already in your mind was going to take him and kill him? Yes, sir. Um, had he done something to you? That, no, sir. Okay. So you just, can you kind of tell me when you made this decision that you was going to take him and kill him,
0: why? Uh, I made the decision three days prior to the incident. Uh, I attempted it two days prior to the incident, but he was not in his room. And then did so today as he was in his room. Okay. So you've been you've been trying this for two days?
1: Uh, two weeks, yes. Two weeks. But not with a selected individual, no. Okay. And when did you get to the point where you knew it was gonna be him? That was three days prior to the incident. And why him? Uh, all the kids in college here, why why him? I believed that he would have had the least impact, sir
0: impact of on what? Uh, I believed he didn't have many friends, or many close friends, I should rephrase. And as his as he is going
1: missing, his absence would be less notable. Okay, so what about if tomorrow school nobody would have thought anything of it? Uh, that was the plan, sir, yes.
3: He thought that less people would notice Gennaro's absence. I want to point out that this was the first step in planning out a murder and trying to not get caught. Jared eventually gets found not guilty by reason of insanity, a subject I've discussed many times before. Being found not guilty of a crime based on mental illness means that you didn't know that what you were doing was wrong. The Federal Code for an Insanity Defense says, It is an affirmative defense to a prosecution under any federal statute that, At the time of the commission of the acts constituting the offense, the defendant, as a result of severe mental disease or defect, was unable to appreciate the nature and quality of the wrongfulness of his acts. Mental disease or defect does not otherwise constitute a defense. It seems that the state of Oklahoma used to use a very black-and-white method to determine their insanity defenses. As long as the defendant proved to have any mental illness, they would be found not guilty. It didn't matter if that mental illness affected their understanding of the crime at all. It's very clear in this case that Jared knew exactly what he was doing and that it was wrong, so I'm going to point out all of the things that Jared did to prove that. We're going to start with his plan to choose a victim who wouldn't be noticed he was giving himself more time to get away before someone called and reported Gennaro missing. This is proof number one.
1: So why did you choose to take him to Asher to kill him?
3: When... Uh,
1: my plan was for after uh, my
0: killing him, I was going to head north towards Canada, and Asher was further north than Ada, so... Okay. Uh, that and, uh, I know the surrounding terrain, and I knew a good spot. Uh, I didn't have that spot planned in particular. If I had planned that for Ada, I would have had a grave dug but i knew a general area
1: okay so you brought him to that area because you, you knew that area because he was raised there yes sir and that's the road that you would travel going back and forth to your mom and dad's house uh no sir i would travel the road uh, further to the south of it
0: just the road one south to it that's the road i would travel going to my mother's house from the school uh on my bus route sir
1: okay but what i'm saying you were familiar with that road yes sir and, yes sir and where it would go to um, yes sir not much traffic on that road at this time but Yes,
0: sir. Uh, The only people that go on that road are those that live on that road, sir. And you knew that? Yes,
3: sir. Okay. He was going to flee to Canada. Why? Because he knew that what he was doing was wrong. He took Gennaro to his hometown because he knew the area and knew places he could hide the body. Why hide the body? Because he knew what he was going to do was wrong. The pair drove up Highway 177, which went from Ada to Asher, when Jared told Gennaro to turn into a small road that went into an electrical power substation. Past the road to the substation were houses, but they were the only thing up that road, so it was unlikely that many cars would be driving on that road that late at night.
1: And so I guess at some point, did you decide now was the time? Yes, sir. Okay, and what happened? Uh, I loaded the gun quickly, chambered the round
0: quickly, uh, shot once, missed, shot a second time, hit, jumped out of the car, went around, he was driving 10-15 miles an hour, so it was rather slow, uh, ran around the hood of the car, and and of course it was slow when he wasn't purposefully driving, uh, tried to pull him out, couldn't get him out until he already had hit the tree, pulled him out there, dumped him into the, uh, no, before I dumped him into the ditch, I heard him, uh, gurgling. Uh, I'm not sure if that was a physiological or physical process after death, but uh, I thought that he might have still lived through that somehow because he was gurgling, so I shot him again and then shoved him down in the ditch. I then got his phone. Um, we hang on let's back up just a second. Yes, sir. Um,
3: you fired the first round. Yes, sir. And you missed. Yes, sir. Do you, do you know where that round hit? Uh, I
1: believe it hit the top of the door, but it might have hit the window. Did the window
0: bust? The window did bust, sir, but I don't remember if that was the first or the second round. Okay.
1: So you, you fired once and missed. Yes, sir. And you fired a second round. Yes, sir. And did you hit him then? Yes, sir. And you hit him in the head. In the side of the head. Yes, sir. Okay, so it would have been his right. It hand was of, around here, sir. The right hand side of his head. Yes, sir. Somewhere by the ear. Yes, sir. And he was the guy kind of started veering off the road. To the uh, left, sir. Okay, and that's when you got out and ran around. Yes, sir. And you opened the door. Yes, sir. And you tried to pull him out. Yes, sir. And. So when you shot, and he was still gurgling. Yes, sir. So was he setting up when you shot him in no, he the head again? No, sir. He was way? lying
0: down on the ground.
1: So you pulled him out of the truck.
0: And just threw him on the ground, and then I heard him gurgling, so I shot him a second time. And where did
1: you hit him the second time? Uh, I'm not certain, but I believe the head as well. Okay. The front, back, side. Uh, I believe it was the same side as same before. Same side as before. Yes, sir. So um, you you think you hit him twice, or you know you. No, you've hit him, in fact, once in the head. Yes, sir. And then the second round is probably in the head area, too. Yes, sir.
3: Okay. Why did he choose this small, rarely used road to carry out his plan? Because he didn't want anybody to see him commit murder. Why? Because he knew it was wrong. Jared matter-of-factly describes how he shot Gennaro once in the head while driving, and then once again while he was laying on the ground. Then he tries to destroy Gennaro's cell phone
1: and what did you do then i uh, grabbed
0: his phone from inside the vehicle i was going to put it on the ground and uh, shoot it as well but uh, i have a bit of night blindness and didn't see the steepness of the hill where it started to veer down mm-hmm. so when i threw it down it slid down the hill and landed a uh, screen side down so i wasn't able to find its location
1: okay
0: so his phone is somewhere around his body uh, yes it should be okay. it might be underneath his body
1: okay and did you Do something with the body after that?
0: Uh, Yes, sir. I repositioned it and then I tried to cover it. uh, Admittedly, not well with uh, leaves, dirts, and uh, stick. Okay. A stick? Yes, sir. There was a stick on the side of the hill. I just grabbed everything on the side of the hill and pushed it on top of him. Okay.
3: He was going to shoot the phone to destroy it, but I couldn't tell you why. I can't imagine that there was any information on the phone that would point to Jared. It had his fingerprints on it, but all he had to do was to wipe the phone down. He must have thought that there was a chance the phone had some incriminating information on it, so he planned to destroy it so he wouldn't get caught. Why? Because he knew that what he was doing was wrong. Then, he covered Gennaro's body so nobody would find it. Why? You guessed it. Because he knew that what he was doing was wrong. At this point, it was Jared's plan to take Gennaro's truck and drive it north but he wasn't able to get the vehicle out of the ditch. He said that he thought that one of the back wheels was off the ground, making him not get enough traction to back out of the ditch. While he was trying to get the truck free, he said he could still see Janeiro, so he covered him up some more, just in time for a car to pull onto the road.
0: I uh, looked to the left, and uh, from the headlights I saw that I could still see his own shirt, so I covered him up better. And uh, as I was finishing that, I saw the headlights from a car pulling over the... Uh, Hill, so I went down and... Uh, which road did it come from? It was uh, heading e- uh, west from the east
3: side, okay. so from the highway. Huh. And uh, he was slowing down already, so I just came out as quickly as I could from behind the truck and uh,
0: flagged him down by uh, waving my hands and uh, he asked what was going on. I told him that I had uh, drowsed, uh, dozed off and uh, veered off the road and uh, couldn't get my uh, truck unstuck then uh he was uh i think he uh i don't think he knew exactly what happened but i don't i think he knew i did something maybe stealing i don't know uh because like you said the no one travels down that road um, did you know him no sorry i did not know him okay. but since no one travels down that road and he most likely lived in that area he knew that i didn't okay so most likely he uh was suspicious just from that fact alone because i had no business being on that road but uh he agreed to give me a ride to uh, asher nonetheless uh more specifically he didn't agree to that until his phone didn't work uh, we pulled up to about about the highway then he uh, dialed a number for me uh i gave him a fake number that way it wouldn't answer and if it did answer then i could just make something up uh whenever it didn't answer uh, it was a phone that was out of service uh he agreed to take me into Asher so I could uh, get my cellulophone—I don't want a phone to uh, call someone that I knew that could get me out.
1: Okay. And what did he take you to in Asher? Uh, my grandparents' house.
3: Jared is definitely on the autism spectrum. Psychiatrists at his trial diagnosed him with Asperger's, which makes sense. He is intelligent and has an incredible attention to detail, but lacks social skills and doesn't have much emotional response his entire interview is very matter-of-fact and very detailed. He told the undersheriff that he didn't have a cell phone, so the man in the car offered him his cell phone so he could call someone. So he made a call to a random number, and when there was no answer, the man agreed to drive him to his grandmother's house. I don't think it's clear the way Jared describes it in the interrogation. It's scary to think that this person offered a ride to a man who had just murdered someone else for the hell of it. No reason, just a desire to see what it was like to kill someone, and now he was in the car with another innocent person. Fortunately for this good Samaritan, Jared was no longer interested in killing and was now focused on getting away. You know, getting away with the crime that he knew was wrong. Jared had also left the gun in the truck. He told the undersheriff that the gun was sitting on the center console when the car pulled up and he went straight over to the car to try to explain away what had happened. The Good Samaritan dropped Jared off at his grandmother's house where he called his dorm roommate, Shane Schroth. He and Shane had graduated from Asher High School together and were good friends. Jared told Shane he was stuck in a ditch, and Shane offered to call his mom and have her ask his stepdad if he could help Jared out. According to Jared, Shane's parents didn't answer, so he walked the eight or nine blocks down the street to their house where he found a can of WD 40 sitting on the front porch. He took it and headed back to the truck and
0: why did you get the wd-40
1: uh
0: wd-40 is a solvent it would uh help degrade the uh, oils from my fingers and uh get rid of my uh, fingerprints sir okay so you're going to take this kind of wd-40 and go back to the crime scene and use wd-40 on the pickup yes sir to try to get rid of your fingerprints yes sir okay and did you do that Uh, No, sir. When I was on my way back, as opposed to going down the road directly to it, I cut through a forest area uh, there by an abandoned uh, trailer house. And uh, as I was entering the uh, general area of uh, the crime scene, I heard, uh, I believe it was an elderly gentleman cough. I'm not sure who. I'm not sure what. I just left. Because, well... Around that area, yeah, the man who gave me a ride to town was an elderly gentleman. I concluded he might have went back, and uh, they had lights, and the brake lights were still on. I thought he might have uh, went to turn them off, uh, so my battery wouldn't die. And then he saw the uh, at least the blood, probably the body, though the body wasn't well hidden at all. Okay,
1: so that's the conclusion is, I reached, anyway. You okay, was in the woods. Yes, sir. And so you don't really know who it was. Uh, I just heard an elderly gentleman cough. Did you see the pickup? No, sir. Okay. So you couldn't you couldn't see the pickup? No, sir. And so you'd been on, were you on the south side of the road in the woods? Yes, sir. And so, but you never could see the pickup again or know who was there. No, sir. Okay. So what did you do then? I headed back
0: uh, east instead of south. Took a different route to get out of the wooded area. Uh, ran into the barbed wire fence. Jumped the barbed wire fence. Uh, headed south along another barbed wire fence I found next to the highway. Well, you couldn't see the highway, but you could easily hear it, and I could see the substation from there pretty clearly. Uh, headed south along that, came across another barbed wire fence, jumped it, and uh, then headed to where I started out at, at that abandoned trailer house there. Then uh, walked away.
3: So he planned to go back to the crime scene and spray everything down with WD 40 because it would dissolve the oils from his skin and destroy his fingerprints. And why did he want to destroy his fingerprints? Everybody say it with me, because he knew that what he had done was wrong. He claimed to have walked from an area near an abandoned trailer house through the woods towards the truck, but heard someone cough near where the truck was and decided to flee. Except there was one part of this story that wasn't true. The undersheriff stepped out for a few minutes, and he must have gotten some information from another investigator.
1: I know for a fact you didn't Get the WD-40 from the front
0: yard. You're right. I planned on keeping him out of this, but I did go into his house. He did give it to me, and yeah. And when you say, who, and when you say him, who are you? Uh, the parent of the friend that I called. Shane's? Shane's father. Yeah. The stepfather, yes. And you know his name? Uh, Michael Norris. Okay. And what did you tell Michael? I uh, told him about what had happened and asked for his opinion on my next course of uh, action. Yeah, okay, you mean you told him what happened? What do you mean? The murder. I told him about. So that. you told you told Shannon's father about the murder you just did. Not the specifics, but the general picture. Yes. Okay, can you you remember what you told him? Not exactly, but I mean I didn't tell him I fired three shots, missed one shot in the head. Pulled, not all that. I just said that I got a truck, I killed the guy for it. It's in the
1: ditch.
3: Okay.
1: Did you tell him how you did it?
0: Uh, I don't remember, but I might have.
1: Okay. So he took you back to the scene?
0: Uh, but no. He no, what? no. Uh, he, he drove me to the abandoned house that I spoke of, yes. Okay, so Mr. Norris
1: gave you the account of WD-40. Yes, sir. And I believe he probably got that from his bathroom of his house. Uh, I'm not aware of where he got it, but if that's where he says, then yeah. Okay. And... So he drove you from Azure back to there, the scene. Just south of where you return on substation road. Yes, sir. And that's where the abandoned trailer house is on the west side.
0: Yes,
3: sir. Jared had told Shane's dad that he had murdered someone and asked him for his advice on what he should do next. Shane's dad Michael gave him the can of WD forty to help him remove the fingerprints. Then he gave Jared a ride to the area near the abandoned trailer house where he started walking through the woods towards the truck. I couldn't find any information that Shane's dad had been punished for aiding Jared. In the interrogation video, you can see a can of WD-40 sitting on the table. That was in Jared's pocket when he was arrested. That along with a purple crown royal bag that had some 40 caliber rounds in it. Jared told the undersheriff that, in his original plan, he had given himself six to eight hours to get out of the area because he didn't want to get caught, you know, for the murder that he knew was wrong. He believed that he was going to shoot Gennaro, dump his body in a ditch, and then drive his truck north. It's believed that someone saw the truck, started investigating, and found the body, leading them to call the police. Jared was under the impression that the man who had given him a ride stopped at the truck on his way back home, possibly to turn the headlights of the truck off, and discovered the body, but that may not be the case. It turned out that the gun was missing from the truck. The gun's not in the truck. It was in the truck, sir. And so,
1: I need to know where that gun's at. When I left the scene, it was in the truck, sir. It was still in the truck. It was still in the truck, sir. Where was it at
0: in the truck? It was, uh, I believe it was on the center console, but it's possible it could have been between the driver's seat and the center console. Okay,
1: because the center console is pushed up. It's not down. Uh, I don't remember that. Okay. Well, you kept saying it was on the center console. To be on the center console, the center console would have to be in the down position, correct? Yes, sir. The center console is up. So was it up or down when you was there? I think it was down, sir. Okay. So, but your intentions. Are, can I ask you why you had the gun there if you just killed somebody and you're uh, trying to get to Canada? Because that uh,
0: man pulled up too quickly, sir. Okay.
3: The man had pulled up, and he wasn't able to get the gun out of the truck without raising suspicions. He said that that was the main reason he was trying to get back to the truck. He wanted to retrieve the gun and also try to remove his fingerprints. That wasn't the only thing different about the truck from when Jared had left it.
1: There is a note wrote on a piece of paper, like a business card on a passenger side window, stuck on the pickup. The wind is up, and there's a note stuck in there It says, Come to the house at the end of the road. Did you write that? No, sir. Huh? No, sir. You didn't write that? No, sir. You have any
0: idea how that note could have got there? No, sir. I don't think anything like that was there whenever I left. Okay. So, is it possible that the gentleman... Uh, yes. Yeah. When I was on the way back uh, uh, into Asher, he had told me that some thieves stole about $1,000 worth of guns of his and that he was looking for them, and if he found them, he would kill them dead on the side of the road. Then I said $1,000 is a fair amount of money, and he said it didn't matter if it was 50 He doesn't like thieves.
1: Okay. Um... So, is it possible that he did it along
0: his way home? He could have stopped and wrote that note? Yes, that's a possibility. I won't deny that. Like I said, I thought it might have been uh, him that called the police. Uh, I still don't know if it was or not, but I thought it might have been him. He went to turn my lights off and then saw the blood and then called. But uh, if he did write that note, then I don't think he would have
3: called the police. Jared told the undersheriff that the Good Samaritan had had some guns stolen, so maybe he stopped by to turn off the headlights, saw the gun on the center console, and grabbed it so it wouldn't get stolen. Then he left a note so Jared could come down and pick it up when he had gotten his truck free from the ditch. Then someone else saw the truck and called police to report it. It's possible, but there's frustratingly no information anywhere about the gun after this point. No reports of whether or not they found it or where it was. It's Oklahoma. People have guns, and it's not unreasonable for someone in that area to see a gun laying out in someone's vehicle and not think it's suspicious. The undersheriff did ask if it was his gun, though.
1: And was that your gun? Uh, No, sir. And
0: where did you get that gun from? I stole it two weeks ago from a man named Daniel Davis. Uh, 217 North Division Street. Now, where's Division Street? Uh, it's the,
1: uh, if you're going down Old 18 and enter again. So what Ash, what Ash, town is it in? Asher, Oklahoma. And his I name's think. Daniel Davis? Yes. And how did you steal it from his house? Uh,
0: I went into his house. Uh, he, his family and my family are on good terms. I just walked in the door and, uh, went back to his mother's room and told her that I had a video game to return to uh, Daniel. Then I went into Daniel's room, put a video game that I brought with me as a way to get into the door, and got the
1: gun. Okay. And so was it in a box, or was it... Uh, yes, sir. It was in a uh, case. Okay.
0: And where's the case at? It's still at his house, sir. Okay, so you took the gun out of the case? I took the gun
3: in two clips, sir. He had stolen a gun two weeks earlier. He needed a gun to commit a murder, and so he stole one. He pre-planned this murder and stole a gun that wouldn't be traced back to him. This is the type of activity that gets someone a first-degree murder charge and a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Pottawatomie County District Attorney Richard Smotherman said early on that he was considering seeking the death penalty, but obviously that plan changed. After abandoning his plan to return to the truck, he started walking north on Highway 177. He attempted to hitchhike, but nobody would pick him up. After the truck was reported, Undersheriff J.T. Palmer drove up the highway to look for anyone suspicious on foot and found Jared with his thumb out. He was ordered to the ground and searched for weapons. Before the Undersheriff could even read Jared his rights, he blurted out, quote, I'm the one you're looking for, end quote. When he was interrogated, he pretty openly admitted to everything. He had lied about the WD-40 because he said he wanted to leave Shane's dad out of it. But when the undersheriff told him that they knew the truth, he folded pretty quickly. The one thing that nobody could understand was why he did it.
1: I guess I'm having a hard time understanding what you got out of it. Can you can you, can you help me? I don't really get anything out of it. I mean, but why...
3: If you wouldn't want to get some self-gratitude or something, why did you do it? I guess is what
0: I'm asking. If I'm pressed to answer, I'll say it's to prove the strength of my resolve. But that's only if I'm pressed to answer.
1: I'm not pressing you. I'm just trying to understand. Then I don't know why. Okay. So it just... Popped in my head. and Popped in your head. And you yes, did. sir. Okay. But it's never popped in your head before? Uh, not other people, that, sir, no. That, you've, that you, you've never killed before?
0: No, sir. Okay. Animals? No, sir. I've never hunted. I know how to hunt. I know how to make a bone error. I know how to uh, field dress animals and whatnot, but I've never hunted before. No.
3: Okay. To prove the strength of your resolve? What kind of answer is that? He seems to be one of those guys who has to prove to people what he's capable of. He had to prove to Wyatt that he wouldn't tap out, and now he needed to prove to himself that he could kill someone? What purpose does that serve in life?
1: I want to ask you this, and you can answer if you want. I just, I'm having a hard time. Yes, sir. Do you feel any remorse?
0: I'm sad that I got caught so quickly. But that's almost lessened by being caught by someone who has sheriff on their jacket. So, But for killing them, no.
1: Okay, so it, it makes you feel better that somebody had sheriff on their jacket that arrested
0: you? Yes, sir. Opposed to what? A deputy or someone like that, sir. Well, huh. yeah, well I'm not the sheriff. I'm aware of that. Uh, I'm the undersheriff. The uh, person driving me up here told me that. Okay. But still, it's... So it makes you feel better that you got caught by somebody up in rank
3: than somebody under Yes, sir. But my question again is, do you have any remorse? Yes, sir. What a horrible douchebag. This was a premeditated murder that should have easily resulted in a conviction. That didn't happen, though. After Jared was arrested, he was interviewed by multiple psychiatrists. During these interviews, he confessed that he had attempted suicide when he was five years old. He said that he had tried to hang himself in a tree, but the knot came undone and his brother later found him unconscious on the ground. He also convinced the psychiatrists that he believed he was king of the world and that he could see ghosts. Even if any of that was true, one thing about Jared was clear. He knew right from wrong at the time of the murders. He had planned out the killing, making sure to find a victim and a place to kill him that would increase his chances of getting away. He attempted to return to the crime scene to remove evidence. He planned to flee to Canada. Somehow, though, both the prosecution's and defense's psychological experts agreed that Jared didn't know right from wrong at the time of his murder. How is that possible? At the end of his interrogation, Jared said this. You know, you've done a terrible
1: thing tonight. Yes, sir. Um, You killed a young man. Yes, sir. Just for the simple fact of... I guess much pretty much this to say for you. Yes, sir. And what do you think should happen to you? Death sentence, sir. And why do you think you deserve the death sentence? An eye for an eye, sir. Do
3: you believe an eye for an eye? Yes, sir. Apparently suggesting that you should get the death penalty makes you crazy. The fact that he suggested death for himself completely befuddled the psychiatrists and they believed he must not know right from wrong. How could he suggest his own death if he knew what he was doing? So they went off and labeled him too insane to know right from wrong. The bottom line is that these psychiatrists got played by their patient. The judge at the trial apologized and told Gennaro's family that he was required to follow the law. Jared was then sent to the Oklahoma Forensic Center, which is the facility that treats people who have been found not guilty due to mental illness. The apology wasn't good enough for the family or for District Attorney Smotherman, so they worked together to introduce a new bill into the Oklahoma State Senate. Bill 1214 would add the term guilty but with mental defect to the law, making it possible in the state for someone to be found mentally ill while still being able to be found guilty of a crime. Senator Rob Sharp said, quote, The not-guilty-by-reason-of-insanity defense was created for those who are not mentally capable of understanding their actions, but now we have people who commit violent crimes trying to use this defense even when the crime was premeditated. The law needs to be modified to take into account those who suffer from mental illness but are still mentally capable of understanding their actions. They need to be held accountable, end quote. I'm confused by this because many states have a not-guilty-by-reason-of-insanity or mental illness defense, but it's well known that the mental illness must be severe enough to cause the defendant to not know right from wrong. If the defendant pre-planned the crime or attempted to cover it up, no psychiatrist would deem them unable to know right from wrong. I'm baffled by how this works in Oklahoma and scared that someone as dangerous as Jared could possibly be released at any time in the future when a doctor deems him safe. The same doctors who deemed him unable to know right from wrong are the same ones who are going to deem him safe, so excuse me for not trusting their diagnosis. District Attorney Smotherman knows that the judgment imposed on Jared Murray was not the right one for this case. Jared knew what he was doing at the time of the murder and continues to pose an extreme risk to himself and others. Jared has tried multiple times to be released from the Oklahoma Forensic Center and be sent to a less secure facility. His most recent request, in 2017, was denied. District Attorney Smotherman said that he will fight any chance that Jared has of ever being released. He said, quote, Jared Murray is a frightening individual. If released, he will kill again. Of this, I have no doubt. Quote. The 2017 ruling made note that Jared makes progress while on medication, but he regresses once he goes off those medications and becomes worse. The judge also noted that Jared makes his own determination of whether or not he needs medication. The likelihood of him continuing his medication if released is very unlikely. On top of that, Jared has stated that he doesn't know when he might hurt someone again. Not if he might hurt someone again, but when. A doctor testified at the hearing that, out of the 200 patients at the Oklahoma Forensic Center, Jared Murray was the most dangerous. If that wasn't enough, officials found a 5-inch knife blade in Jared's possession just days before the hearing. In 2016, Bill 1214 was signed into law in Oklahoma State effectively making it so people like Jared Murray can't get off of a murder charge just because they suffer from any mental illness. Though I believe that he should have been found guilty anyway. The psychiatrists who claimed that he didn't know right from wrong at the time of the murder should lose their licenses. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harm in yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe.
2: Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on. See CertaIreland.ie.
0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTWD group void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.